0: We're going to read several portions of scripture. I actually have it all on the on the screen because we're going to jump a little bit um, to connect the gospel and in, in the book of Acts. Uh, but today we're uh, continuing the series on the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for God's word today? Yeah. All right, good. I'm ready. I'm excited. Sometimes <laughs> I put some uh, I put some random pictures on my PowerPoint slide, and that's a random picture. Somebody say, what, "What's that picture about?" Well, Rebecca and I and the family, we got a chance to go to Niagara Falls, and we were in that, we were in a boat just like that. That's a little boat in the middle of that, and we were going towards the falls. And I remember hearing the sound of the falls and experiencing the power of that, that I thought to myself, God wants us to be immersed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's so much greater than Niagara Falls. And I thought, it's, it's so appropriate to use this picture as we talk about the day when the Holy Spirit came and baptized the church. We've been going through a series that focuses on the person of the Holy Spirit and, and who He is. And uh, uh, part of my goal, my desire for this series and for this time that we spent together focusing on the Scripture, on the person of the Holy Spirit, is that we would be excited about who He is, that we would be surrendered to the person of the Holy Spirit, and that we would make no apologies. For all that God has for us, I, I often find myself in different circles and different ministry uh, circles, and, and people of different um, uh, they're Christians, but they just believe differently about things. And when they find out that we're an Assembly of God church, I, I, I often hear certain kind of remarks. They're kind of they start to walk on the eggshells because they're afraid of what they're going to hear from me, right? And really, they're concerned. They're wondering if I'm a Pentecostal and what what it means to be a Pentecostal. Uh, as I define it, is someone who believes that all that God has for us through the power of the Holy Spirit is available for us today. Whether that be the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or whether that be the calling that people have on different people, or whether whether it be a move of God to cause revival on an entire nation, I believe in all that. And I kind of made a commitment not to make apologies for the person of the Holy Spirit, because I can't experience the fullness of something that I'm making apologies for all the time. Just the other day, I was in one of these meetings, and the gentleman was like, oh, you're a pastor. Great. What kind of of denomination? Assembly of God. Oh, okay. So what kind of Assembly of God? I was like, what what do you mean by that? Well, you know, because there's some Assembly of God who are, you know, more... conservative, and, you know, there they go with the political jargon. Kind of reminded me when somebody, somebody asked me, so where are you from? Because you're speaking Spanish, but you're kind of black, and I don't get it, right? And so <laughs> I said, well, I'm from Dominican Republic. And they looked at me. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. What part of Mexico is that? It's southeast. Um, you got to cross some water. <laughs> right <laughs> And so, you know, just people kind of get awkward. And I understand, you know, because, you know, it's just, I understand. It's, it's kind of hard. You don't want to be offensive. But, you know, I'm Pentecostal. And that means that I believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. Which I, and that means that I believe that God wants to fill his church with power. Right? Power for holiness. Power to forgive. Power to have mercy on others. Power to believe for great miracles. Power for, to expect salvation to take place resurrection power, right? Not for our glory, but for Jesus's glory. And so uh, I've made a commitment not to make an apology, and I hope that um, you also make that commitment in your life. And uh, as I sat down uh, this week to prepare, I thought that this week we were going to focus on discerning when it is really a work of the Holy Spirit uh, so that we could be aware of the counterfeit that may be out there. But I feel like as we've preached every message that there's been a little bit here and there that we've peppered about discernment. And I hope that every message has given you another gauge of how to discern when it's a move of God and when it's not a move of God. But I'm going to give you a list of things that we've already discussed and just really quickly. And also, I'm going to give you some things that we're going to... continue to pepper or talk about throughout this series just to keep in mind just seven things okay seven quick things we're just going to go through them we're going to put them in the bulletin next week so that you can have them in writing but if it is if it is the holy spirit number one jesus will be exalted Okay. If it is the work of the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus who will be exalted. Not the miracle, not the material blessing, uh, not the work itself. It will be Jesus who will be exalted. If it's a work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' name will be exalted. Number two, if it is the work of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a holy move. It can't be the Holy Spirit and it be immoral. Okay? If it is the work of the Holy Spirit, it's going to call people to live holy, pure lives. Number three, if it is the Holy Spirit, it will be in harmony with Scripture. The Holy Spirit's not going to teach us anything different than what Jesus taught us in Scripture. If it's a work of the Holy Spirit, it's going to line up with the Word. Now, there are going to be things that the Scripture doesn't say, right? There are things that the Scripture may not say will take place, like certain healings or whatnot. So we're not expecting the Scriptures to document those things. But does it line up with the core message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does it line up with the truth of Scripture? Number four. If it is the Holy Spirit, it will lead to repentance, not condemnation. If it is the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not interested in you being condemned. Feeling like you're worthless and good for nothing, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's that's a whole other spirit, something that we need to rebuke out of our lives. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us to change, and repentance is a blessing, right? Sister Rachel brought a powerful word on Wednesday. You done missed it, church. You missed it. But in it, she said, repentance is a gift from God, right? The Holy Spirit will lead to repentance. If it is the Holy Spirit, there will be freedom, right? If it is the work of the Holy Spirit, we will feel freedom and joy. And let me tell you something about freedom. Sometimes it's messy. You know why? Here's the revelation. You ready? Because we're messy, Right? And God loves us, just as we are, and he works with us, right? I'm going to leave that alone. If it is the Holy Spirit, there will be power. If it is the Holy Spirit, there will be power. Very clearly, Jesus said to his disciples, Wait, you will receive power from on high, then you will be my witnesses. How do we choose holiness? How do we choose mercy? How do we choose grace and forgiveness? How do we see these mirrors by the power of the Holy Spirit? We can't just you know you, we, we can't just separate good doctrine from the power of the presence of God. If it's good doctrine, God's presence will be felt. And that's something that you and I have to be uncomfortable with. I need you to hold this church accountable. There needs to be a living wi- wi- witness. That God's power is changing people's lives. People's lives are changing. Miracles are happening. Transformation is happening. Forgiveness is happening. Revelation is happening. God's power has to be present. The Bible says that in the last days there will be people who have a form of godliness. In other words, they look like they're godly. They do all the godly things like attend church and all this stuff. But there's no power in their walk. God save us. I want the power of God. I want God's presence to be evident by what? By holiness in me and in us, purity, by love, even for our enemy, by standing in the gap and praying and believing for revival for our nation, seeing miracles like healing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and resurrection power. Why not? Now, we don't know why God does certain things or why he doesn't, but we believe, and there should be evidence in the church that God's power is moving in our lives. We need to testify about it. And ultimately, if it's the work of the Holy Spirit, there will, there will be fruit. If God's Holy Spirit is moving, we're going to be able to say, oh yeah, look at how God moved there, look at how God moved there, look at how God changed that, look at how the church is growing. Look at, Why? Because the Holy Spirit always does the work that it set, sets out to do. Right? Do you believe that today? So, just seven quick things. Today, uh, much of what we focus within this series has been on what Jesus taught About the Holy Spirit. Jesus hung out with his disciples and he taught them about the person of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was going to do, but it was foreign to them. They didn't really understand it. It was almost just theoretical because it hadn't happened. Now, at this point in the series, for our purposes, we're going to transition from focusing on the teaching of Jesus to the actual experience of the church with the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, they heard it. They didn't understand it. They just said, okay, Jesus, whatever right? But then it happened. When the Holy Spirit happened on the church, right? When the power was released, what was that like? And that's what we're going to focus on from this point forward as we dive into the series of the person of the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to focus on the particular scripture that Luke wrote as we understand this person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the writer Luke. Luke obviously wrote the Gospel of Luke. Maybe you don't know this. He also wrote the Book of Acts. And the powerful thing about uh, the, the wonderful thing about Luke is he's he's recognized as a great historian. And one of the reasons why he's recognized as a great historian is because he doesn't take sides. He doesn't take the side of the, uh, the side of the Jews. He doesn't take the side of the Romans. He doesn't take the side of the disciples. He just records. He recorded what he heard from eyewitnesses. Luke didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't experience the life of Jesus, but he was a companion of the Apostle Paul, and he lived with that church that experienced him. So he diligently recorded everything that was told to him by those who experienced it, and he also recorded some of the things that he experienced himself. Now, in the, in the process of that, of writing uh, the, this document or the gospel, the gospel in Acts, those letters were supposed to be read together, because they were, there were written for one individual by the name of Theophilus, which means friend of God. And the, Theophilus, whoever he was, we know was a man of influence, and we know he was also Luke's disciple. And Luke was very carefully writing down the account of the life of Jesus and the work of the Spirit in the church so that Theophilus, Theophilus would be completely convinced by the irrefutable evidence of Jesus and the work of his Spirit in the church, Right? Great letters. I highly recommend. Read Luke. Read Acts. Incred- You're going to have an incredible time. One of the powerful things about Luke um, that kind of make him a different kind of historian, again, he doesn't go by the popular um, consensus. And, and one of the reasons we know that is because he often reports about the way that God works in women. And this was not popular in that culture. In that culture, it wasn't acceptable to even receive the witness of a woman who testifies. But Luke says, hey, this is how it happened. This is the people who first received the revelation that Jesus rose from the grave. And it's very clear evidence that Luke is reporting things just as it was. Another important factor about Luke that really gets my attention is his focus on the person of the Holy Spirit. Take for example Matthew. Matthew says if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, you'll answer. If you seek, you'll find. Because if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give you what you need? But Luke says, because if your earthly father can give you good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? So there is a focus on the person of the Holy Spirit that's very important to Luke. And actually, when you look at Luke chapter 24, he records certain things that he had. He expects Theophilus and you and I to read in conjunction or together with Acts chapter 1. So we'll pick up the scripture in Luke chapter 24, and it reads this way. You're with me so far, right? Amen. All right. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Now here is Jesus is risen from the grave. The disciples are just talking about it, thinking about this, the time that they've spent with Jesus after the resurrection. And in one of these gatherings, this is what happens. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he, he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And, and while they were still in disbelief, uh, for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Now, Jesus says some things that are just like, really, you have to say that? Imagine being in a gathering And just talking, and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus appears. You know, my first reaction is like, (gasps) right? Well, why are you troubled? Well, (laughs) you know, I don't remember last time somebody just done showed up out of midair, right? People don't just show up. Says, well, I'm not a spirit. Really? Okay. Uh (laughs) But really, I'm not, look, touch my hands. Touch my feet. Okay, okay. give me something to eat, right? Jesus is proving to them that it's himself, right? Uh, He's eating, he's consuming something, they're touching his body. And then Jesus goes on, verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that... That I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, so Jesus shows them that it is him. And then he says to them, look, guys, let me explain to you. This is what it means in the prophets and in the Psalms. I had to suffer. A price had to be paid for sins. And they begin to understand Scripture like they never understood it before. And then he says to them, And now that I've suffered and i paid the price and I rose from the grave, now you will be my witnesses and you will share my salvation beginning in Jerusalem. But before you do that, you're going to receive the promise that I've been talking about. And what is that promise? The Holy Spirit. Now, how does he describe it there? He said, you will be clothed with power from on high. Somebody says to you, what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? to be clothed with power from on high. What does that mean? That the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and fills us with power. For, for what? For holiness, for forgiveness, for mercy, for his presence in our lives, bringing others to him. Clothed with power from on high. And then we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice the Bible doesn't say, Jesus suggested Jesus said, you know, I think it may be a good idea if you, no, he said, he commanded them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come, into the, uh, come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here's another moment. I mean, really, Jesus is talking. He's saying, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And you're like, uh-huh. 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 Hey, why are you guys looking up into heaven? It's like, really? Do you have to ask that question? You know, like, you know, like there's just moments that you're just like, can you imagine what, they, what was going on through their minds? And like, Jesus is going to come back in the same way that he's leaving. Then they return to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Selah and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. There you are again. Luke making note of those who are believing on the command of Jesus and are waiting. And also, Jesus' brothers. Uh Uh-oh. Somewhere along the journey, those who didn't really have their faith in Jesus turned around. His very siblings gave their faith, put their faith in Christ, and then they were waiting. Now, Acts chapter two. We'll read a little bit more, and we'll dive here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay. So that they were waiting in prayer in that room. As they all waited in prayer, there came a sound, like a sound, something like a sound. In other words, they're trying to describe it. How can I describe what we experience? Um, It's like a sound. And notice what it says. It filled the whole room. And if it filled the whole room, the idea is that the sound was tangible. A sound like a mighty rushing wind That filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Okay, so notice what they've experienced. They are in this room. They hear a sound. They feel the sound. They see something. Tongues of fire appeared. If it appeared, it means that they saw them, right? They saw them and rested on them. It rested upon them. What a powerful reality, right? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? What does this mean? But others mocking said, They're filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. So, what's happening here? This is the Feast of Weeks that is later called Pentecost, which stands for 50 days, because this is celebrated right after the Passover. Remember the Passover? The Passover is when. God delivered, remember when God delivered all of the Israelites' children, there was uh, the blood of the lamb that covered their homes, so that when God's wrath fell on the Egyptian, the firstborn of the Israelites were saved, and that's called the Passover, and the Jews celebrated the Passover ever since. 50 days from the Passover, there was a celebration called the Feast of Weeks, and that was a celebration of when God gave the law to the Israelites. And now, after the Passover, the disciples were in the upper room praying 50 days after, after that Passover during the Feast of Weeks, and this is when they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why there were so many people all, from all over the world there. It wasn't like they were there all the time, but it was because they were celebrating the time when Moses gave the law to the people of God. Now notice, there were people there who were Jews, people there who were proselytes. In other words, they weren't Jews nationally, but they converted to Judaism. There were people there who were Arabs and Cretans. They're from all over the world. And when they're gathered there, they notice some people coming out of the upper room, apparently, and they're speaking in their own language. And they understand them, but they know these boys are Galilean. I'm pretty sure they've not been to Asia or Pamphylia or Pontus, but they're speaking in our language and we understand what they're doing. And what are they doing? They're singing, they're declaring the praises of God. And it overwhelmed them. They didn't know what to do with it. Some were like, I think this means something. This is very interesting. And others were like, you know, they're just drunk, right? Peter stands up and says, Hey, it's nine in the morning. You know, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk, but we're going to dive into that next week. Now, let's stop there. What does this, this scripture tell us today? Three things that, if, that I think we need to fo- focus on as we read this historical scripture. Number one, as a church, we got to make a commitment. If it mattered to Jesus, it should matter to us. Jesus said, before you go and witness, I command you to wait for the promise of the Father. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, Jesus spends a whole lot of time teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit so that they would be ready. Jesus is leaving, and the last thing he tells them is wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus thinks it's important for the church, don't you think we should consider it important and valuable now why was it important jesus said because after you receive power then you will be my witnesses throughout all the earth in church we need the power and the presence of the holy spirit so that we can be his witnesses if people are going to come to faith in jesus christ to a vibrant faith with a god who's really alive and well then we need to live our lives filled with the presence of the holy spirit It is the only way people come to faith in Jesus. By what? By the work of the Holy Spirit. So if it mattered to Jesus, you and I have to make a commitment to say, God, before I start my day, before I make my plans, I want everything that I do to be filled with your very presence so that people would know that I do not govern myself, but that you govern my steps. The power of the Holy Spirit is something that we need to invite. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that we need to long for. Why? Because Jesus wants that for the church. He said, it is better for you that I leave that you would receive this. It's, it, uh, one of our kids' church workers would describe it this way. It's like Jesus giving us a bike. He says, I want you to use this bike. This bike is for you. And a lot of us are saying, oh, you know, that bike is so nice. I just like to look at it. I like to read about it, but I'm never going to ride that bike. I don't know how to ride that bike. I may fall and scrape my knees on that bike. I may make mistakes with that bike, and I don't want to do anything to offend a bike. So I'm just going to look at the bike that you gave me, and I'm just going to be thankful for it. Are you kidding me? But we're doing that with the very promise of the Father. Oh, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Do you know, I, I just love reading about the Holy Spirit and the things that the Holy Spirit did in the church, but I don't want to be offensive, so I'm just going to keep the Holy Spirit's teaching over here and just appreciate it, but I don't want to get on there because I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want to make any mistakes, and so I'm just going to be thankful for it. But it's a gift that God's given you. If my daughter came up to me and says, Dad, thank you for the bike, but I'm not going to ride it out of reverence. We're like, girl, you better get on that bike. You know what that bike cost me? You know how long that bike's been on? Layaway. You're going to get on that bike. Anybody with me? The Holy Spirit was on layaway per se for an entire old covenant. And Jesus couldn't wait to pour out his spirit. And we're going to be like, well, Jesus, I just don't want to do anything wrong. Get on the bike. You need the bike. He gave you the bike. Get on it. Start pedaling. And if you fall down and make mistakes, guess who's going to be there saying, yeah, let's go. Amen. We got to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not perfect. I may make mistakes. Thank you, Captain Obvious. We, we would never move anywhere if we have that attitude. If Jesus thought it was important, we should think we should consider it important too. If it mattered to Jesus, it should matter to us. Second thing I'd like to share with you, as we wait for all that God has promised us, particularly as we wait for his Holy Spirit to fill our lives, as we wait for what God has promised, the best way to wait is to wait in prayer. And some of y'all are like, yeah, wait in prayer. And some of y'all are like, okay, I'm checking out. Because prayer is something that's so difficult. We've made prayer something that has to do with words. We've made prayer uh, something that has to do with our practice of being on our knees and spending hours uh, on that position. Let's just redeem that. Notice what Jesus said to his disciples. Wait for the promise. And what did they do? They went into the upper room. They were constantly with each other, meditating on the word, speaking about the word, being thankful about everything that they had experienced with Jesus, and having a hopeful expectation of the future. And that's what it means to have a, be, a, be a prayerful person, to lead a prayerful life. Okay, let me describe that again. To be a prayerful person, a person who is, is living a prayerful life, number one is a person who's thankful for what Jesus has already done. And that is an inward meditation. That is, that instead of complaining today, I'm making a decision to be grateful for all that Jesus has already done. Anybody with me? I'm just because I don't have the time to just constantly be talking. I don't even have the words to constantly be talking. That's not prayer. That's just machine gun nonsense. You know, da, da 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 da. You know, no. It's having an attitude of gratitude towards Jesus and all that He has done for me. Secondly, having a prayerful. Being a prayerful, uh, leading a prayerful life means having a hopeful expectation that God's going to do what He says He's going to do. So, as I do life and I wait for His promises, I have hope that God's going to do what He says He's going to do. And third, as I wait for God's promise, I'm going to obey everything that He's commanded me to do right now. I may not have what He's promised me yet, but as I wait for what He's promised, I'm going to do what He told me to do. The disciples said, you know what? We don't have this gift yet, but let's do what he told us to do. Let's wait until he fills us. That's what it means to lead prayerful lives. Obey with what we know now. Be thankful for what he's done and have a joyful expectation of the future. Are you with me so far? Amen. The best way to wait for God's promise is to, is to wait in prayer with an attitude and a posture of prayer. Now, we're going to close with this. Church, I don't know if you got it earlier as I was talking about it, but we are now living in the age of the Spirit. And the age of the Spirit is much better than the age of the law. Let me describe it. When Moses delivered, when God used Moses to deliver his people, there was a spirit of death that came over the Egyptians that passed over the Israelites. And God used that tragedy to release Israel and and to bring freedom into their lives. As they cross the Red Sea, 50 days later, the Feast of Weeks, they begin to celebrate the time where they received the law, right? The law uh, 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 um, of Moses. And that law was to govern them because that law became a covenant for them. It was the covenant by which they were going to live their lives. Fast forward thousands of years later, during Passover, Jesus is sitting with his disciples having the Passover meal, and he says to them, guys, this bread is really my body, which is broken for you. This cup that I take is my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the true covenant. This is the covenant that I'm making with you. Fast forward on a Passover meal, Jesus says to them, I'm the reason for the Passover in Egypt. And it's about to take place now. Jesus dies during that Passover weekend. He rises from the grave. Fifty days later, back in the days, they received the law. But 50 days later now, they received the Spirit. And instead of now receiving a law that was constantly broken because men could not keep the law, they received the Spirit of God. Which in turn, instead of getting a, a set of rules or a book of rules, they now have the very dwelling of God in their lives. Do you understand that? We are no longer under the law. We're now living in the age of the Spirit. And the covenant of God is a covenant that is, it is sealed by the person of the Holy Spirit. So as we close, this is what Jeremiah 31 verse 31 says about that time when the Spirit will be poured out. It says this, You can stand with me at this point. So what did the church begin to experience? They waited. The Holy Spirit came upon them in such a way that it was like a sound that filled the room that they felt. They saw tongues of fire that came and rested on them when they Open up their mouth, they begin to praise God in languages they never uttered before as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. It was powerful. It bore witness to the power of God to the entire community that surrounded them at that moment. And it was a greater witness than just the miracle and the gift. It was a witness of this. Now is the time for my spirit. Why is that significant for you and I? Because it means this, and we said it in the very beginning of service. God is here now. He's here now. He makes himself available to you and I now. His presence is available for you and your family now. His presence can change your future. His presence can change your life. The age of the Spirit is this. It's no longer dependent on your work. God is here now receiving all of those who put their faith in Him. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Brother Tony, would you help me with a book? Either. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing here in this place. We're going to be diving this week or the following weeks into what your Holy Spirit does in the life of people. And I'm so excited. And my prayer, God, is that we would not only study what happened, but that it would happen as we're studying it. That as we're studying the work of your Holy Spirit in your church, that it would happen within the life of your church. We need you. We need your power. We need your presence. And we say yes to all of you. Hallelujah. 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 With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you feel the freedom to do so at this time. You're saying today, you know what? I realized that it mattered to Jesus. That waiting for all that the Holy Spirit had mattered to Jesus. That waiting for the baptism to be clothed with power from on high is something that Jesus desired for his church. So today I make a commitment to wait for what God has promised and to make much of what Jesus made much of, if that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we raise our hands right now and we say, God, we want your Holy Spirit. And we want all that you have for us. We give you permission to move in our lives as you desire. We want all of your presence, all of your move and all of your power. And you can do it any way that you want. We put no boundaries, no limitations. We just say yes to the person of the Holy Spirit. We say yes, and we pray, fill us with your presence. Baptize us, Lord God, with your fire. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to say something today as you look at me real quick. When God fills a person and moves in the life of a person, It doesn't all have to look the same. Some of us are going to be very energetic and excited and hype. Some of us are going to be called to a deeper place of prayer. Some of us are just going to have this longing for holiness to be in his presence like never before. We'll experience all that in different dimensions. But God just moves through different people in different ways. And we have to be okay with that. Right? What we have to be willing to say is, God... You can fill me, and you can do it whatever way you want to do it. You don't have to do it the way that I want you to do it. And at the same time that I pray this way, I do welcome the gifts of your Holy Spirit that serve as evidence that you're doing a work in my life. So yes, God, that that I would speak in tongues or prophesy, have dreams and visions, because your Word says, right, that you will pour out your Spirit on sons and daughters, and these things will take place. When it happens that belongs to God. How it happens that belongs to God. All we have to do is have faith in the Lord that he will do it. That he will do it and trust him with a hopeful expectation. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to say that it's not about hype and it's not about emotionalism. Even though it can be very emotional and very active, right? It's about the it's 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 more about the person than it is about the manifestation. Are you with me? I just want to welcome you to say yes to all of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you today. We bless you, Lord God. Oh, we worship you, Lord God. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Now, church, I want us to lead us in the, I want us to all pray together. That is something the Lord has convicted me of. And uh, in a sense, it's, it very much encouraged me and it's going to be something that we're going to focus on as a leadership team and as pastors. And that's this very simple. We want evidence of God's power to be alive in this church. Because we know that we know that it is God's power that changes things. Not messages, not you know, not not just attendance. We want God's power to be evident in our lives. And so I believe in the priesthood of all believers. In other words, that you have an authority in your prayer. So right now, would you take your authority in your prayer? Would you begin to lift up your voice and pray, Oh, God, may this church be full of your power. Would you begin to pray that way? Churches, right now. Yes, God, fill this church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We welcome the power of your Holy Spirit. Oh, we welcome the power of your Holy Spirit. We welcome the power of your Holy Spirit. We say yes. Holy Spirit, because we welcome you, we welcome all of you. We don't want you to be hindered in anything that you want to do. We say just have your way. Have your way in this place and teach us how to live lives that give you room to do what you want to do. Lord God, as a pastor, we just, uh, representing the pastoral team, we come before you and we say, Lord, have your way in our lives. You can operate outside of our box. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. As a church, we say, God, pour out your spirit so that families would be changed, so that children will be changed, so that fathers and mothers would be changed, so that grandparents would be changed, that resurrection power would be felt, God, so that healing would take place, so that power to witness will be here, God. We say yes to all of you, Holy Spirit, in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen, church. Before I dismiss you today, I just want to, one last thing today. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're saying, I really sense that God uh, today, I need to say yes to the power of the Holy Spirit and yes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and I'm ready and I want it and I desire it that's you we'd like to welcome you to come up to the altar we want to pray with you uh we just want to pray with you you're here and you're saying i want to be baptized in the holy spirit and it's a commitment before the lord uh uh, to wait with a heart of expectation i want to come up to the altar and we've been praying i've been praying i've been saying god do mighty things so we'd like to welcome you at this time if you'd like to come up to receive prayer particularly for that we love to welcome you if you need prayer Also, we're going to be here praying at the altar. We'd like to welcome you to come up. Church, would you raise your hand real quick as we dismiss you. May God bless you. May God keep you. May you enjoy the promise of his Holy Spirit filling you with power from on high. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll be praying. We'll be praying. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus.